Hey, so before we get started on the sermon, well, we do this every year, so we have to do it this year. Uh, we do uh, a, a little chant, kind of, not like a chant, like a, you know, like a mystical, weird chant, but a chant uh, where I say, He is risen, and you say, He is risen indeed. And we connect with just a long tradition. This has been going on in the Christian church for a long time. So I'm going to say, He is risen, and then you're going to say, He is risen indeed. You ready? He is risen. Awesome. Very good. Now, uh, the way Living Spring does this every year as well, because we don't use the word indeed ever. And so, uh, but what we do say a lot around Living Spring is, dude, that's awesome. So what we're going to do this time is I'm going to say he is risen and you're going to say, dude, that's awesome. Okay. You ready? He is risen. (laughs) I'm still, I'm, I copyrighted that as a, uh, a game. Like a game show? Like, dude, that's awesome. And it's going to have... Okay, anyway. Uh, say, we're, we're really glad you're here. We are kicking off a series, a new, brand new series today called Distractions. And what we're talking about is the idea that when you get distracted, oftentimes bad things happen. And some of those distractions happen to you, and it's not even your fault. They're just events in your life. So last night, and I'll give you a little idea of what happens uh, on Easter. To a pastor, Easter is just kind of a big deal. And so uh, I was here last night just checking to make sure that everything was okay. And, and, and uh, so I had some things. I had to fill up the baptismal. W- weren't those baptisms awesome today? It was really cool. <clears throat> So I did that. I, I kind of like, you know, putzed around to make sure everything looked good and what have you. It was like 7 o'clock. I had tons of time. Everything was done. Sermon was done. All this kind of stuff. And it occurred to me that we had purchased a new bulb for the projector. And I thought, you know what? It's Easter. I might as well take that old bulb out and put in the new bulb. So I, I, I grabbed the ladder. It's a giant ladder. And I scurried up the ladder because I, I scurry. It's what I do. And... Um, and I took down the old projector, and I got it, and I took out the old bulb. And it's real simple. It's just like a little cartridge. So I took out that cartridge, and I grabbed the new bulb, and I put that in. And I scurried back up, and I put it all back uh, in again. And I, and I came down, and I turned it on, and it just was a flashing blue light. Now, flashing blue lights are never good, like especially in your rearview mirror. Like, like any, so... But I didn't know if maybe flashing blue light is like, this is going to be the best experience ever. You know? So I went to the, it didn't work. So I scurried back up, untook it, unhooked it, scurried back down, took out the new bulb, put in the old bulb and said, forget this. It's Easter. We need a projector. So I went back up, screwed everything in, pressed it, flashing blue light. So I went online to the, to the manual online and I looked up in troubleshooting and sure enough, this is what it said. I, I, I found the section for the flashing blue light. And it, that's an indicator light that says um, your projector is not functioning properly. <laughs> that, that was the indication. So we were on the same page. <laughs> like, I knew that, okay? So, so I tried all things. I tried to unplug it. I tried to plug it back in. I tried key combinations. I tried to reset it. I, I did even shake it just a little bit. Not out of anger, because it's almost Easter. Um, but I, to be honest, when I shook it a little bit, I, I could actually hear something rattling around in there. So, uh, well, here, now I'm stuck. Now, at this point, it's eight, and we don't have a projector. For a pastor on Easter, not having a projector is like going to the Super Bowl and going, do you think we should have a quarterback? 
We probably need a quarterback. So I run the Best Buy. I go, I need a projector, like now. And so we bought this one. Now, you look at it, and I know those look like zip ties. (laughs) That's because they are zip ties. (laughs) Okay? And uh, I went to seminary, and they need like a projector installation class, okay? Um, And you're probably wondering, is that safe? And uh, most likely, I mean, it's, it'll, it's, it's probably fine. And uh, we just might crush our mandolin player, but that, other than that. But that, all of a sudden, everything in Easter, no matter how prepared I was, no matter when I finished a sermon, no matter all the staff meetings we had about music and flowers and all that kind of stuff, one event, that's the only thing I was focused on, was that one event. Now, that was a distraction that happened to me. And we all have those. You're going to have those when you go to work on Monday. You're going to have those when you go back to school. Just something that's completely out of your control. But in this next series that we're going to talk about, I want to talk about a different kind of distraction. It's the ones that we bring upon ourselves. And there's many of them. We're going to talk about the distraction of regret Where you get so mired in your own regret of things that you've done, maybe choices you didn't make, choices you did make, that you're just trapped and you miss God in that. We're going to talk about anxiety and how we get so distracted of looking at the future that we don't experience the present. Um, This summer, I was, uh, before I became a pastor, I worked for a company and I did all their IT stuff. And um, this past summer, they, all their wiring's old, and so they wanted to rewire the entire building. And so I thought it would be a great opportunity for me and my son, Jesse, to go wire this building together. And then we were going to, uh, I took a week off of church, and we, we were going to use the money to buy a drone, okay, um, because we're really good with our money. And, uh, and so that was the big plan. So we're going underneath the building, we're pulling wires, we're getting everything connected, and we start to realize as the week goes on, we're not going to be ready in time. And so, so the hours start getting longer, the days start getting longer, we're like, we got to finish this, because when we flip the switch for them on Monday morning, they better have a network with phones and all, 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 that, all that kind of stuff. So we're driving, I'm tired, I'm completely covered in dirt. And it's, it's crowded traffic, and it's already late, but there's still a bunch of traffic. And I look over, and my son has a knife, and he's, he's kind of getting something by his eye. So, <laughs> I, hey, you know. so I look over, and I'm like, are you out of your mind? What are you doing? I'm driving. Like, if I slam on my brakes or whatever, I'm like, give me the knife. He's like, what's the big deal? You know, because... He's, he was 15 at the time. Now he's 16. That stuff doesn't happen. Uh, so I, I, I'm like, give me the knife. I, I reach for the knife, and bam, I hit the car in front of me. Yeah, well, that's what I said. Uh, so there it is. That's my car. I'd never been in an accident before, and uh, it looks sad. Um, this happened. Here's a better better shot of it. This happened because I was distracted. And it wasn't something that was happening to me like the projector and all those things that just happen in life. I got focused on something and I missed what was vitally important, the thing in front of me. 
Now, that's fine. I got it fixed. It was fine. Insurance took care of it. As a matter of fact, just to kind of wrap up, the, that was my rental car. So, <laughs> so that's pretty cool. I just, it, it wasn't all bad. But it, this is great. And insurance took care of it and, and everything's fine. But for some of us, this is a picture of our relationships because we're distracted with our career or we're distracted with something in our past or we're distracted in, in, in an injustice that's happened to us. And so we have this, this idea that we've been offended and so we just keep harping on it and harping on it and harping on it. We're going to talk about all those things. This might be your career because you got distracted with an addiction. It might be... Uh, uh, something you have going on with your kids where you got really distracted on doing something and you look back and three years have gone by and you realize, I just lost a really important time of my kids' lives. Why? Because we were distracted. What I want to do this morning is talk about two people who were distracted and they missed the most important thing you can miss when you're distracted. They missed Jesus. And, and as they walked... Um, it was about this time. And so uh, Jesus had died. He was buried. And they had gone to the tomb. Some women had gone to the tomb. And Jesus wasn't there. And it says in the Bible that when they came back and heard the woman's testimony, it seemed like nonsense to them. And some of you are here this morning. And the idea, someone drug you here or invited you here. You're finally like, okay, good, I'll go for Easter. And, and you're, you still think a little bit of that. Just the resurrection and that whole thing just seems like nonsense. You haven't figured it all out yet. You're not quite right there. That's fine. You're, you're, you're welcome to be here. And so they go, and, and they, it seems like nonsense. But Peter hightails it to the, to the tomb. And he goes in, and it's, he sees the linen that Jesus was wrapped in there. And he begins to wonder about that. Now, this is where we catch the two characters that we're going to talk about this morning. And... What they decided to do when they heard from the women and they knew that Peter left, instead of sticking around to see what was happening, they got distracted with their own disappointment and they left Jerusalem. And so that's where we catch them. We catch them on this road. They weren't driving that car. Uh, In Luke chapter 24, now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So this is about a three-hour walk in that particular terrain. That would, that would be about how long it would take them, maybe two and a half, three hours. So they're, they're just leaving. The, the Jesus thing wasn't turning out the way they had expected. And so they're going to go to Emmaus. We don't know if this is their hometown, but uh, as we get farther in the story, it seems like they knew exactly where they were going to the exact place they were going. And they were talking to each other about everything that had happened. <laughs> this is so cool. As they talked and discussed, and those two words are just like what you and I would do if an event happened and you'd sh- like postulate something and I'd go, I don't know, because remember what happened? Like, oh yeah, that's right. And we'd be trying to figure it out. This is what's happening. They are trying to figure out what in the world is this Jesus thing all about? As they did that, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. So they're talking about Jesus, the tomb, and I don't know, the lady sounded crazy, and Peter laughed. He doesn't know what's going on. What what do you think? And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. Now, I don't know why Jesus chose, after being raised from the dead, to walk with these two guys. I would have done it completely different. 
The first thing I would have done is gone back to the Pharisees. And I would have been like, what's up? How's it going? Remember me? You know, like really freak him out. Jesus doesn't do that. He starts walking with these people. And, and so he, he says, um, he, he walks alongside. So Jesus appears. Now watch what it says. But they were kept from recognizing him. But we don't know why. See, when you come to the Bible, you have to come to the Bible on its terms. And so when it says something, that's what, what it is. If it doesn't say something, that's also important. Were they kept from seeing Jesus by Jesus? Were they kept from seeing Jesus by their heavenly Father? Were they kept, or were they kept from being Jesus because they were so engaged in their own stuff? What was keeping them from seeing Jesus? We don't know. And so here's what happens. He says, uh, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Which is just hilarious. I don't know if he overheard them, and he's like, oh, they're talking about me. Let's, let's, let's see what we can do here, right? He asked them, what, what are you discussing as you walk together? Now, 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 what they do next is just fascinating to me, and I think it describes a lot of us where we've been in our past and where you might be right now. Jesus is walking with them, and here's what happens. They stop. So they're walking. They stood still with their faces downcast. The full weight of their disappointment, their missed expectations. They just stood still with their faces downcast. You know, for a lot of people this morning, maybe you, this is where you are right now. That the way your life has gone, the way the expectations you had had for your marriage, for your career, for how the church is supposed to be, for what Jesus is supposed to be doing, or God, and all that kind of stuff, you're sitting in the weight of that. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear this. While they stood with their faces downcast, Jesus was with them the whole time. That whatever thing you're going through now, whatever thing that might make you just to stop and to pause and just go, I don't know if I can go on. I don't, I don't like my job, or I don't think our marriage is going to make it. Jesus is standing with you. And here's what, ha- what they say. One of them, named Cleopas, which is cool because this is the only time he's mentioned in the whole Bible. And, and so, because I, I did a search on my computer, it's the only place. It's like, I don't even know why he was named. But for him, this was the biggest deal he had going on. He asked, they asked, uh, he asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? He's talking to God. And he's like, you don't know what's going on? But listen, before we blame him, he didn't know it was, it was Jesus at the time. But this may be you. You may be feeling the full weight of your own decisions, of someone else's decisions or whatever, and you turn and you face God and you say, why aren't you doing something? Don't you know what's going on? Don't you know what I'm going through? Don't you know the heartache that I've been through? Don't you, don't you know the circumstances that we're in? The injustice that's been going on? To you, I would tell you this. In the midst of that, Jesus is with you the whole time. And so... They ask him these, this question, and Jesus does like a typical Jesus thing. 
He, he, he continues in the conversation. He wants to get more out of them. It's not just a, a, a fact tour Jesus is going on to make sure people know the facts. He's engaging with them. And Jesus wants to engage with you in these conversations. And so he says, aren't you the only one who does not know the things that have happened here in these day, there in these days? Jesus says, what, what things? Let's keep talking about that. And God does this all the time with questions. In the very beginning of the, uh, when the world was created, Adam is there and he sins and, and he's covered up in all sorts of leaves that he tried to make, like a suit or whatever. And God comes and says this, where are you, Adam? God knew where he was. He, he, when the disciples were, were they're going to feed the 5,000, and they come up to Jesus, and they're like, how are we going to feed all these people? How are we going to get this done? How are we going to do that? And he says, how many fish do you have? And Jesus is in, 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 in this way of conversing because he wants to keep going deeper and deeper. So he says, what things? They say about Jesus of Nazareth, which I don't know if he like started getting like, like, <laughs> like I'm, that's me. They replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. And then the next four words are so telling about where they're at. And the next four words I've said to myself, and three of them are the biggest, the most important, but I've had times in my life where I've had this conversation with God. And you might be in this, that these next three things Shows their expectations were not met. But we had hoped. We had hoped. And right now, some of you might be here, and this is how you'd say, I I had hoped that our marriage would last my entire life. Maybe some of you are like, I had hoped that my second marriage would have last my my whole whole life. I had hoped. I had hoped that my mom wouldn't have gotten sick. I had hoped that the doctors could have found out something. I had hoped that, you say, but we had hoped. We had hoped that she could have stayed here a little bit longer. I had hoped that my career was going to be a little better than it is. I had hoped that when I could retire that I could just play golf all day and now I have to get another job. This might be exactly where you are. I can tell you this for certain, that Jesus is with you throughout those situations. Jesus is with you right now. And so they say that. They say, uh, uh, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And they're, they're beginning to process with Jesus now. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Isn't it interesting that they had heard all those things? They had had gotten some glimpses that it might be, he might have risen. And they were still so distracted in their disappointment that they missed the very answer to their expectations. And what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks is that very thing. That we can get so distracted in things that we miss the very power of God to solve that situation. We can get so distracted in our shame and in our regret that we miss the very person who can take that shame away. 
that can heal that regret. We get so distracted in our anxiety that we miss the person who can bring perfect peace because we're st we stand still, our face downcast because we had hoped for some things and it doesn't look like they're turning out. And all the while, he's standing right next to them. It says, Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. And here's... Here's what Jesus says. You guys are dummies, okay? That's a Greek translation You're, you wouldn't understand. He says, uh, how foolish you are. Now, he's not calling them fools or smacking them around or whatever. He's trying to get them. If, if you would take less time about being distracted in that area, you would see what's clearly the case, not from the proof you see from the resurrection, but he goes back to the Old Testament and the prophets and begins to show them exactly what was supposed to happen. And in the same way, I wonder how foolish have I been at times where I've been so worried about something, so worried about an upcoming event that I miss the very Jesus that is going to see me through it no matter how it ends, that I would miss the forgiveness because I spend too much time distracted by my, my shame. How, how foolish is that? How foolish that I would stay so focused on the problem that I'd miss the answer, no matter what happens in that circumstance. And that's where Jesus is. He says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. Wouldn't that be the greatest conversation where Jesus is teaching you the Bible about Jesus? That would be awesome. But keep in mind, and this is important, they still don't know it's him. And so for them, it's just some guy talking about Jesus and talking about the prophets and talking about all this kind of stuff. But they still haven't quite seen him for who he is. This is really important as we move through this story. They hear about him, and they're hearing the truth, but they just can't see him fully at this point. As they approached the village where they were going on, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. I don't know if he's trying to trick them, or I don't know why he did that, why he wouldn't just stay with them, but he... Maybe he was being polite, and so he's just like, okay, see you guys, waiting for them to go, hey, come on in. Well, that's what they do. They urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And so here Jesus is. They're sitting with Jesus. Now they're at a table, and they don't know it's Jesus. And he had just told them to the prophets and the scriptures and Moses and all this stuff wrapped up about who the Messiah was supposed to be. And they're sitting down with Jesus. And watch what happens. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. This narrative is very close to the language that was used in the upper room on the night Jesus was betrayed. When he took the bread, he gave thanks and he broke it and said, this is my body, which has been broken for you. And on that night, he took the cup and he blessed that. And he said, this is my blood, which has been poured out for the remission of sins. Whenever you take and eat of this, remember me. And that's what they did. 
He gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus, hey, where'd he go? You know, like, yeah. And, and they have some dialogue here right afterwards. But I'm sure the first thing they said was, wow, that was weird. You know, he just left. Where'd he go? But this is the thing. Jesus comes and he, he, he presents what they would have already heard from the disciples because all of these people would have been together and the disciples would have been talking to all these people about, and then we're in the upper room at Passover and this is what he said and this is why, I mean, he talked about drinking his blood and eating his flesh and I don't know and now he's gone and they would have had all these conversations. Watch what they say. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us? on the road and open the scriptures to us. Their hearts were stirring before they knew everything. Their hearts were burning before they knew exactly who Jesus was and what it all meant. There was something happening on the inside. And when they recognized Jesus, they realized, wow, that was him. That was him the whole time. So here's what they do. They take a risk. Because remember, they told Jesus, look, it's already late. Come on and stay. And it's a two and a half to three hour walk. In Luke 24, 33, it says, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. So they go another seven miles back. It's getting dark now. They're in sandals. You know, it's like uneven terrain. But they're just trying to get back. They've got to share this news. And so they return at once to Jerusalem where they found the eleven. And those with them assembled together. And this 11, right when they come through the door, the 11 and everyone together start saying, It's true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what, they had, what had happened on, on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And then while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you, you know. You'd have to say peace because you probably scared everybody. But this is what Jesus brings. This is what we miss if we're too distracted. We miss his peace. We miss his joy because we're stuck in outrage or whatever the distraction is. We miss Jesus when we're distracted. Here's what I want to do this morning. Some of you are in this exact spot this morning. You're in a place in your life right now where you've tried everything. You've, you've, your expectations haven't been met in, in one or maybe many parts of your life. And you are in the same spot like some of the people baptized this morning in first and second service. Where it's like, you know what, I can't control this anymore. And Tori's testimony was, I'm not supposed to control this. And some of you are at a point in your life where you're trying to hold it all together. You're trying to control. You're trying to manipulate. You're trying to medicate. You're trying to just keep it all, all going. And you're, and you're working and striving and all this. And all the while, Jesus is right next to you. And you feel it in your heart. You feel the stirring. But you're just at that point where you're like, I, I can't see him completely. I want to give you a chance this morning to make that decision. Maybe for the first time in your life. Maybe you've never actually said the words, Lord Jesus, become Lord of my life. Maybe you've never said the words, 
Lord, forgive me for my past. I'm tired of controlling. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. And you might push back and say, the reason I haven't is because I'm just not, I just wish I had a, a, a fact or something that would help me. I believe, and I believe this story shows that that stirring in your soul comes from Jesus himself, comes from the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so maybe you've never prayed that prayer this morning. Maybe you've never made that decision. Or maybe you have. And maybe you've tasted what it was like to follow Jesus at one point of your life. But for some reason, the church got wacky and all that, and they, they became offensive to you, or they had done something to you, or they did something to your parents, or whatever, and you, you decided to leave. Or maybe you decided, hey, I'm going to take a little sabbatical from the whole Christian thing. And you, had, you, you went your own way, and now you find yourself at the end of this road with your face downcast going, you know what, I need to turn around. I'm here to tell you that Jesus has been with you through that whole process. And so what I want to do, we're going to, as Adra comes back up, um, we're going to take a little bit of time to reflect. Adra is going to read a poem, and um, then she's going to lead us in this song. And while that's happening, we would love for you to fill out your connection cards, um, every, every household. And uh, there are a couple really important things about that connection card. One is, on the front, those prayer requests. And you might be going through something right now, or a family member is, and you want to write on that prayer request, um, uh, you know, just write it down for us. We pray for every single one of those every single week. And maybe for you, that, that's the thing. The other thing we'll do is um, we'll take our offering. Uh, we don't pass a basket around. And if you're new, please don't feel any obligation to give unless you'd like to give to the projector fund that we now have to pay for. You can do that freely, please. Um, but the other thing that's really important on the back of that card is a little box that says this. Uh, I'm interested in becoming a Christian. And what I want to do right now is just to have all of us bow our heads and close our eyes and just just to get all the distractions out of the way and so if you would just do that just bow your head and close your eyes and here's what i'm going to ask you to do for some of you this might be the most courageous move you've made all week if you're one of those people where it's been stirring in you and and you're ready to go now you don't have it all figured out but you're ready to say you know what um, uh, as, as one, of the, one of the people we baptized first service said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. If that's you, maybe you're coming back from Christ, maybe uh, from leaving him, or this is a new thing for you, and you're ready to do that this morning, would you raise your hand and look up at me as everyone else has their eyes closed? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Anybody else? I just want to make sure we don't miss this opportunity. Thank you. I see you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I want to make sure I don't miss anybody in the balcony. Good, good, great. Anyone? Okay, awesome. You can put your hands down. Here's what I'd, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to lead us all in a prayer. And if you're not ready to pray this prayer, that's fine. Don't, don't, don't pray it. And some of us have been Christians for a long time, and we feel comfortable praying this prayer. And... Um, But this is a prayer that invites Jesus to be Lord. This is a prayer that invites Jesus to rule in our lives. This is a prayer that asks for forgiveness for where we've strayed. 
And so I'm going to just pray phrases of it. And if, if you're, again, if you've been a Christian for a while, or you're one of the ones who raised your hand, this is the prayer that begins this journey. Dear Jesus, thank you for living. Thank you for dying. Thank you for rising from the dead. And thank you for taking away my sins. I give you my life today. I ask for forgiveness of my past. And ask you to be Lord. In your name, amen. For some of you, uh, this begins your journey. Um, and we want to help you in that journey because it's not something that we do alone. And so maybe you didn't raise your hand. Maybe that was too, too much for you or whatever. And maybe you're just, okay, I'm getting closer. I just, then mark, mark that. I, I, I want more information. And we'll follow up with you. We want to make sure that all your questions are answered and all those things. But we're going to take a little bit of time. Uh, like I said, Audra's going to read her poem. And uh, then we'll, we'll sing a, an ending song together. And then we'll be dismissed. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. We thank you that we can celebrate that. We thank you that that same resurrection power that raised you from the dead is available to bring into our lives so that we can grow closer to you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.